start over. Hello, my name is Steve Howard, your host. I am joined here today by a University of New Mexico great Los Angeles Rams legend, Preston Denard. Preston, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. I know you're a very busy man. We won't take <laughs> up too much of your time here, and we'll just jump right into it. That's good. That's Let's good. get into it. So, NFL, 11 years. Tell us about that. How was that experience? Actually, it's a wonderful experience. And actually, it, um, I've been involved with them for a long time, but my actual playing days were eight years. Eight years, okay. So I played six years with the Rams okay. and played one year each, 84 and 85, in uh, Buffalo and Green Bay. Gotcha. So 78 through 83, I was with the Rams. And uh, my second year is the year we went to the Super Bowl. Now, how was that experience at Super Bowl? So uh, Super Bowl was outstanding. Um, you know, there's so many storylines tied to around around Super Bowl time. But um, uh, I remember the night before the game, and obviously it was uh, January 20th, 1980, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was they were going after their fourth championship. And, of course, it's my first time even in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And so the night before, I had a, had a dream uh, about being MVP, lifted and hoisted among the, the teammates after making one of my <laughs> traditional diving catches. And, yeah. um, you know, just a great story, right? And wake up and I said, well, that thing didn't end that way. <laughs> but I do like to tell folks, we beat those Steelers for three and a half quarters. They just came back and beat us in the last half of the fourth quarter. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So we're going we're gonna to peel back the onion just a little yeah. bit here because, you know, one of the things that we do is try to educate student athletes. Yes. Um, not only on how to get to college, but also how yes. to be a pro. Yes. And so... Everybody's want to know, what was the first thing that you spent that NFL paycheck on? <laughs> That's a real nice story. <laughs> um, so I was a free agent back in 78. I was not drafted. And so monies are not prevalent for rookie free agents yeah. coming into the league. Um, I remember the day of the draft. The two days went by, and there were 12 rounds back in 1978. And um, there were 12 of us, uh, three from UTEP, three from New Mexico, three from New Mexico State, okay. and three guys from Texas Tech that my agent, Harold Daniels, had in a hotel at the Hilton in Las Cruces. And everybody got drafted out of that room except the three New Mexico Lobos, and I'm one of them. And one of the leaders in the country, a couple of years in the nation, and so on and so on. And I didn't get drafted. And uh, thought I was going to get drafted fifth round, I was told. Didn't happen. As soon as the last pick came, I got up and I, I walked outside and started contemplating what I was going to do. And the only thing I had to fall back on was a degree and to go coach high school ball. I, that was my thoughts back then. I get back to the hotel and my agent tells me as I walked into the suite, you've had eight teams call. We're going to L.A. to sign a contract. Okay. And we did. We got on the plane the next morning. Flew to L.A., met Jack Faulkner and Don Klosterman, the uh, vice president, and uh, we signed a contract. I signed a con three-year contract, uh, $25,000, 27.5 the second year, and 31.5 the third year. And I got a signing bonus that was unheard of for a rookie free agent. Okay. And I got a whopping $1,500. <laughs> I go back to New Mexico in spring of 78 after that. I took 1500 bucks. I put 500 in the bank. I sent 500 to my mom and dad, and I took 500 and I started my album collection that I still have today. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice. That was my investment, and they all were nice. good investments. <laughs> so, 
What did you study? You mentioned college. So what did you study yeah. in college? Well, I studied, um, actually a minor was English, and um, I studied broadcast journalism. Okay. And um, I was a writer. So I took a lot of writing courses, English courses, and all of a sudden broadcasting started coming about because um, you know, I had the voice, I had the demeanor for it, and so on. So that's what I did. Then I did extended um, uh, education at Columbia School of Broadcasting when I got to Los Angeles okay. or California. And so that's what my educational and degree work is in. While you were playing? While I was playing. Nice, 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 nice. So were you the first in your family to go to college? I was the first in my family to go to college. And uh, that's a unique story, too, because um, my dad, I, I, in high school, I was a four-sport athlete and dabbled in a fifth. Um, but uh, my, my dad, old military guy, uh, Georgia boy, okay. Popeye forearms, old military disciplinarian, right? And so my dad graduated from high school. My mom didn't graduate from high school. And uh, I'm the oldest of four, so my dad, uh, when recruiters and scouts would come through, especially baseball, because that was the first sport I played, mm -hmm. and I really went to college on a baseball opportunity okay. than football. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. And um, back in 74, uh, my senior year, 73, 72, sophomore through my senior year in high school in Arizona, I led the nation or at the Southwest in batting, and I was a pretty decent baseball player. So my senior year, three scouts came to my home, baseball scouts, uh, interested in drafting me out of high school. Okay. And so my dad's old Southern boy, barbecuer, right? So he would barbecue for him and feed all the recruiters and scouts that come through. And so when these three, and I remember it was the Angels, the Cubs, and the Padres sitting in our living room. And um, my dad stands up, grabs his old belt loop, and he says, well, gentlemen, <clears throat> if you want my boy, you're going to have to wait four years because he's going to college. And it was a huge thing for my dad. Yeah. And um, I'm writing a book right now that's highlighting a lot of this journey and why things happen and why they're so important and motivation of young people and so on. And so I capture those kind of moments in it. But that's how my that's how my college career started, by going to school, playing baseball, and how I didn't get to play baseball at all in college yeah. is another story. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, what are some of your, your, your greatest memories playing in NFL? Oh, every one of them. I mean, everything. I, I remember so much from the game. I remember, you know, I'm a motivational speaker yeah. by design. And um, a lot of my topics came from real-life scenarios. So one of my speeches, Invest in Yourself, came from something that I decided when I was a rookie. And... Um, and I played a rookie year, and I realized, oh, i got to put more work into this thing being a pro. And so I said, this offseason, I'm going to work for, toward my second year. I'm going to invest a whole lot more of discipline and work ethic mm -hmm. and so on and so on. I'm going to improve on this. So I didn't see a lot of people investing in themselves. The other thing was when I also was a rookie, I never seen – anybody do anything truly to separate themselves so i came up with another talk called separate yourself okay and it's all about 
make yourself recognizable. Put yourself in the forefront. Separate yourself from the mediocre. Se separate yourself from those who are not driven, if you certainly desire, and, and those kind of things. And that's yeah. what I do when I do a lot of motivational speaking, you know, challenging kids and youth and, and young adults to accomplish their dreams. But if you're being hindered, or being held back, then separate yourself from that force that's keeping you from accomplishing all that you desire. And so that's what my writings and speaking and my journey in the NFL, I mean, there are so many different uh, plots and settings that you can walk away with those kind yeah. of influences. So, um, you know, what do I remember? Everything. I remember the Super Bowl drive. I remember my rookie year being cut and them coming back to me asking me, to hang around when I had an opportunity to go elsewhere. And I just, just like when my agent told me, we're going to LA, sign a contract. Okay. Well, when I got cut and they asked me to stay, um, we had to make a decision. Yeah. And my agent said, yeah, we're going to stay. I said, okay. <laughs> so I should probably do a book that says, okay. <laughs> but I just, you know, young kid, don't know any better, you know. Yeah. And um, so it ended up being something that, the reason that the book is important is that I'm able to capture so many conversations, yeah. um, my relationships with some of the other pros, my relationships with other teams and players and coaches, and the reflection of after the game and how some of my friends and former teammates who went elsewhere, and maybe I played against, and yeah. guys who are friends from other teams that I ended up having friendships, and how they would tell me about because one of my big questions was hey steve tell me what what, what was your team uh, thoughts about me how did you guys game plan against me and they would tell me what their their um the game time book was all about mm -hmm. their playbook and 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 the scouting reports and all that and they were very funny stuff you know i remember tampa bay back in the day a good friend of mine ivory sully told me he says yeah, Preston, my coach used to say, you got to watch Denard. He's got those popcorn moves. I'm like, popcorn moves? What is that? And so how they describe your game yeah. was very intriguing. So I've got a lot of those memories. Um, I've got the stories that guys will tell, the locker room stories. Yeah. I've got all the jokes they told. Um, um, and then I've got the stories that are not to be told. <laughs> But it was full of excitement, and I just say this, Steve. I remember a movie called North Dallas 40, my NFL career. That movie had nothing on my NFL career. <laughs> I've seen things that are truly, truly amazing and how people thought and what they thought of athletes and how, how they sort of tried to cater to them or take advantage of. I mean, I've seen it all, uh, the worst part of the career and the most beautiful part, how people try to take advantage of your personality and your persona. Uh, I remember the FBI and NFL security coming to me once uh, early in my career. Somebody had uh, taken advantage of my persona and acted as if they were really? me and they were able to get rent a yacht and ever able to go to, um, what is it, uh, Santa Ma no, it's uh, Marina Del Rey and, and lease out a, 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 a suite at a hotel on the beach and limos. And I'm like, are you kidding? I can't even get that and I am him. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, it's amazing these things that wow. people don't know that yeah. goes on. I lived it and it, it's amazing. Wow. It is amazing. Wow.
So with the way NFL salaries are today, yes. and, you, and you talked about your salary when you came in the league, <laughs> like <laughs> what are your thoughts on the salary, the way they are now? Oh, well, I mean, I have plenty of thoughts about it, but um, nothing that I would say, oh, these guys don't deserve it, because yeah. that's where the game is. It's yeah. grown to that. That's what we sacrificed. Uh, all athletes who have stepped onto a court or a diamond or a field or whatever it is, soccer field, and they've set the journey for young athletes to come up, yeah. to, and, and we bettered the game for them. That's the reason that um, sport entities, the, the, the players, they strike. They strike for better benefits. They strike for, for improving the whole platform for, yeah, for an athlete. Definitely. And that's across all sports. And so that's the sacrifice they make when they do these things to make it better for the guys today to enjoy it. My only frustration is the current players have no idea what that sacrifice is like. Yeah. They have no idea what we had to give up in order for them to benefit from the high dollars that they realize. And they're no greater or better athletes than we were. We played the game at a high level because that level at the time was what was required to be a pro athlete. Yes. Has it changed much? I don't believe it's changed much. I think truly the components of the actual play of the game has changed. So that's schemes. That's the ability to try to out-coach using new schemes and tools and video equipment that you can isolate stuff a little bit more in detail. Those are the things that have changed. But to grab a heart, put a body in a jersey, and tell them to go out there and play the game, they play it no better than yeah. the way we did it. And so I respect the guys that played before me, and I went on strike to help better their benefits. The guys after us did the very same thing. And we are realizing that as former players, but the game itself, I may not appreciate how athletes approach their play yeah. because I'm not your typical game watcher. I'm that coach, I'm that former athlete, I'm that trainer, and I'm critical. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even watch regular season play of any professional sport, but for sure football. I wait till playoff time because that's what I know is the telltale sign of what a true professional is because at that moment, Every and anything counts. Every move you do counts. Every adjustment, every route, everything you do matters that very second. You drop a ball, that could be critical. Mm -hmm. You fumble the ball, that could be critical. So that's my whole, whole thought. Okay. Okay, good deal. Now, let me ask this question. And, and, and everybody always asks this question of players who played in a different era. Mm -hmm. With the way teams pass the ball now. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how do you think, how, like, how, how gaudy do you think your numbers would be compared no, to? No, they'd be the, exactly what the numbers are today. Um, I'll give you an example. If I caught five balls, that's like somebody catching ten balls in a game today. If I caught three balls, that's an average day. Yeah. And because they were usually five yards in a cloud of dust, running backs, two backs in the backfield. So you didn't have the many receivers. You didn't have the schemes. And we threw the ball. Um, but, yes, those numbers would be very equal to what they have today. I mean, if you threw me the ball ten times, I'm catching it ten times or at least nine, and it was contested once. 
Um, we'll catch those many balls. We didn't throw it that many. Yeah. A great day for a quarterback might be 30 passes, you know, 28 passes in a game. And maybe they're 17 out of 28. Maybe they're 20 out of 30 or something yeah, of that nature. Like 50 and times. today they're, you know, they're averaging 35 to 45, you know, throws a game. And they're doing it consistently, yeah. consistently. And if you had a, say you had a 60, 75 play game, I guarantee you 60, 70% are, are all passes. So, yes, would it be the same results as what they're having today if we of old were playing in this system? Yeah. Yes. You know, are guys bigger, stronger, faster? Yeah, probably a little bit. But back then, it was about executing the job. It was catching the ball, keep the drive alive. And, you know, the other thing that is – a real stickler, and because I'm thinking about it, I'll share it, um, is the thing about the gloves. Yeah. These guys don't know what the ball feel like, and they're still dropping the ball with gloves on. It doesn't make any sense to me. We used to catch it all bare hands. And the kids that I train today, all the receivers, I have a rule. If you come and you wear gloves, all good with me. The first ball you drop, those everybody's gloves come off. They hate that. Because now they got to get to feel the ball. Yeah. They get to know what the football feels like, the, the rotation, the velocity, the speed of it, and, and the receptive ability to how the ball comes into your hands. Kids don't even know what a left-handed throw is coming into their hands. It spins a different way. And so those are the natural components that better the athletes. But to catch the balls they catch today, like a piece of cake. And I think that's all part of – what's missing from sports at a, a younger level. Yes. Understanding how the ball spins. Mm -hmm. Like there's an art to catching a, a football. Yes. And I don't think that players understand that part. And so it's it's very refreshing to hear you talk about that. Because um, those are all things that gets lost, I think, in youth sports and yes. even high school sports yes. is the science, the yes. art behind it all. Like they just go out there and think they can just line up and run and catch the ball, throw it and catch it. And there's actually a technique, there's science, there's mm -hmm. art. Mm -hmm. It's it's not just, there's skill involved. It's not just oh, me yeah. showing up. This is a long journey. One of the things that I, I always do, and I deflate every young athlete that comes to me that wants to be trained, and my first question with them is, why, why do you want to do this? Uh, why is this so important to you? Well, I want to be able to play pro ball. And I shoot that down right away because they don't control that journey. Yeah. They cannot predict it, and they can't solidify it any other way than to grow into building their house where it's attractive for others to want to walk in and say, hey, we, 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 we like this. Um, too many of our kids begin this journey by emulating and not creating. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pretend to be a Johnny Ridge, Rivers or you could pretend to be a Preston Denard or you can pretend to be um, Jerry Rice. And if you're pretending to be that person, then you're acting like you're going to dress like them. You're going to wear the gloves. You're going to do this. And you have no idea what the ball feels like. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is to break those young kids down and say, look, we're not worried about the pros. We can't control that. 
Let's make you the best student athletes you can be. And I use this phrase, let's get your house in order. Let's build it. And once you get to the point where now you've got a presentation, now you, as you develop and grow, will be able to command the attention you need to be entertained for, for that level. But I said, most athletes, we knock that out of the box right yeah. away. We don't even focus on that. So one of the things, and you kind of give me a good segue there. So one of the things that we always focus on is telling student athletes, control the controllables. Mm -hmm. And you've got to create your own path. So nobody else can, can take this walk for you. And so it leads me to this piece. So the game ended for you. Because mm -hmm. it ends for everybody. Yes, it does. How was that transition from oh, was, playing to... Oh, it was easy. It was easy because... The passion, uh, you'd have to know my full journey and what I've overcome and how sports became, I guess I'll just tell you, <laughs> that, that works. Um, it was a smooth transition because I came to a point at the end of my career where I satisfied my palate. Okay. I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. Was I an all-pro? Was I'm a, Am I a Hall of Famer? Am I reached these platforms or whatever? No, but I had a complete, fulfilled, fruitful career because my name is recognizable. Um, every game I played, I had a successful game. I never had a bad game. Uh, the Cowboys were my motivation. And that's where I separated myself from every other receiver in the game. When I played the Cowboys, I was playing what they considered the best. And I was very successful. How did all this start? Why did I have such a complete feeling about my career? Would I enjoy to play 10 years, 12 years, 14 years? Yeah. But in eight years, I accomplished everything I wanted to. Playoffs, Super Bowl, you name it. I did it, super teams competition. I was very full for my career. And the reason it's so special is because of how I started mm -hmm. in athletics. See, sports sort of saved me. And when I was, uh, I'll mention this, and I'm working on my, my book now that's going to depict this growth. Yeah, don't give us all your gems. No, I won't give you all the gems. <laughs> but I had an in, in, impairment that, that um, really affected my self-esteem as a young child growing up. And uh, it was devastating enough that I would refrain from being in crowds, that I would, uh, was not being able to participate. I remember being at a basketball park, a park where a basketball court, waiting on the side to see if I'd get selected. And because of this impairment that I had, uh, I used to get teased a lot, and they didn't take me serious, so I wouldn't get picked and all that. Until one day, um, and my dad would beg me to, hey, come watch this game, come do this, come do this. And one day, I decided to watch a game. It happened to be the Cowboys and the Rams, you know, on a black and white TV. Might have been 68, 69, you know. And um, um, it was interesting, and my dad said, would you like to play that? And I I don't know. And, uh, but the first sport I did play was baseball. And I played up in age, and I was really good. But I didn't have to say anything. Yeah. Um, and then the last part of this is I played football, and I walked into an arena, which was youth football. And in Arizona, they call it Pop Warner. So I played for the Salvation Army Youth Center 
football program called the Suns, Salvation Army Suns, and it was an eighth grade team. Walked out there, every all the other kids were like veterans. They'd been playing four or five years. They, they talked the talk. They knew what they were saying. Yeah. I, I didn't have a clue. And I walked out there very quiet, and I ended up progressing after a few days. So much so, I had to come around, and they tried me out at quarterback. And all of a sudden, I was born again. And my in, in, impairment, impediment was... I stuttered horribly. Okay. I could not speak well. I could not talk. I could not form words and always out of breath. And, and I used to get teased a lot. But the moment I stepped in under the center and I started barking out signals because what does that quarterback got to do? He's got to open his mouth. The smoothest delivery of everything. But the moment I walked off the field, I lose it. I didn't have the confidence. And so I was comfortable on the field. I was comfortable on the court. I was comfortable on the diamond. I was comfortable in sports. Yeah. And sports saved my life in regards to that because it gave me a self-esteem. It gave me the ability to go try and it gave me what I represent with young people today. Um, and so that's what my book's focusing on. Okay. And it's called The Walk in My Shoes. And of course I, I, I address a lot of stuff, even outside of sports. But that's the benefit and the joy of sports. And why was my career so fruitful? It was because I overcame that early on. Sports gave me a livelihood. It gave me a name recognition out in this country. And it gave me the ability to turn into a motivational speaker. When I tell my story, people don't believe it. Yeah. Because I can talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> well... You, you do say yourself short a little bit, oh, president okay. of the Rams, legends. Oh, well, actually, I, um, so the legends community is an NFL national umbrella for each and every team to recognize and benefit their former players. So with the Rams, the Rams have their Rams legends, and so you get uh, selected, invited, or uh, inducted or whatever into it and uh, all of a sudden um, I was recognized at a game okay which happened to be a Raiders game versus I think two years ago a Raiders game versus the Rams and but this was in the Coliseum before they move in SoFi Stadium and um, I would they did a presentation on the big boards and showed some video highlights and and then uh, they said, hey, please recognize our own legend, Preston Denard, who's now an official member. So fans and going around the stands. And so we all know the Raiders gorilla, right? Yeah. And so I'm walking around the stands, shaking hands and visiting with everybody. Great recognition. Re recognition. And so I get to the gorilla, and all of a sudden he comes, he comes down to the edge. He says, Preston, Preston. And I'm on the field, and I, hey, and I shake. He says, I want your autograph. And I looked, and I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, you're one of my favorite receivers. And I, I can't, can't believe it. This is a Raiders mascot, right? <laughs> And so I go over, we take a picture together, I sign an autograph, he gives me his card. I mean, it was a really cool deal. And I've come to learn since then that nobody knows who he is. He keeps that quiet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I finally, recently, just found out who he was. All those jokers keep it quiet. And I don't, I, I, I can't share, I promise I wouldn't share. But that was the beauty of 
coming full circle, yeah. being recognized by your team, them bringing you back into the fold, presenting you to the crowd and the public, and just a warm welcome. You know, I'm so removed, what, my last year in the game was 85, yeah. and to have the fans still recognize, you know, what I contribute to the game, and running into people today that, um, you know, like the phone call we shared earlier today, yeah. uh, the gentleman in Houston who yeah. um, was a big fan, who followed my career, Here's what that tells me. It tells me I did something right in the game. Impact. It told me I played the game the way people can appreciate athletes that play. And it also showed that I brought my abilities to a level that I recognized for being associated in that professional arena. And then I obviously played it well. And I... I've always played it well. I have friends that don't like me from college today <laughs> and the pros because... I only know 100% yeah. full speed. That's why, I mean, I wasn't talking about four fours and stuff. I mean, the fastest I ever ran was a four five eight, and that was in college. And so, but I was successful. I could get behind guys that were four three, and because they didn't know where I was going. Yeah. And all I needed was a step. So all those different fragments of my career culminated to me being satisfied that I contribute 100% to this game because of the recognition at the end of my career. Nice, nice, nice. So we will close with this. Um, is there any advice that you might have for a, an aspiring high school, mm -hmm. college player looking to matriculate up and play at the next level? Invest in yourself. It's one thing to emulate and imitate and act like, but find your own identity. Find out what you like. You may want to be a wide receiver. Coach may see something totally different in you. Develop your house. Become the best student athlete you can be. And when I say student athlete, I'm talking to the young ones. I'm talking to the high schoolers, the elementary, the middle schoolers, uh, even the college kids. Get your house in order. Your house is your body. That's your main house. And it has components, different levels. You have intelligence. Make yourself as smart as you can. Because a smart athlete is a better athlete. Yeah. There might be a lot of brute and brawn and a development of someone's physique to an ultimate level where you can perform. But if there's no intelligence to balance that out, you don't know how to use that brute and brawn. All yeah. you think is, I'm going to run through a wall and that should do it. Well, sometimes it doesn't take running through a wall. Sometimes it takes, hmm, I think I'll go through that door, get to the other side before they even know I'm here. I use that analogy to say, the smarter you are, the more prepared you're going to be because you and I identified this. One day you're going to have to put those shoes up. Yep. You're going to put away the pads. You're going to have to put that basketball in the locker and leave it. You're going to have to take that baseball and the glove and put it on the shelf. And then you're going to have to live the rest of your life. How happy can you duplicate your athletic career and your exploits with the peace of having knowledge and wisdom and the ability to do something else just as fruitful. Yep. And so being a complete student athlete is all about being the best athlete, building your house. And if you can make everything complete and develop yourselves, you'll be a better person for it. And then we know athletics there's so many lessons to learn from athletics. Definitely is. And if we are a student of the game and take those learned 
implementations into real life, you'll know how to get your butt beat and get up off the ground. You'll know how to have a tough day and come back and compete tomorrow. You know when somebody tells you no, that you keep moving forward and eventually somebody's gonna say yes. Or if your house is not in order, you know how to go back and get it together to make a better presentation. All that is, and studying your opponent, who's going in for that job interview? Well, study who's going in. Why did they select whomever for that position? Why is it they don't think you're qualified? Why is it you went to college and you decided to just skim through because you didn't have a vision about life beyond where you yeah. are? These are the things that I tell young kids. This is what I tell them. And then the end of that talk is the reality of why? Because we're not guaranteed that we're going to be athletes on that big arena one day. This is true. At some point, your career ends. Some of us are not always blessed to be able to play at that top level. And I lived the journey of almost, almost not being there by being cut the last cuts. But I was blessed enough to have shown something to management, to ownership, to coaches that they wanted to keep me around. So I'll end it with this, my friend. I'll tell you my last favorite NFL story, which is how I started my career. And I ended my career in the same fashion as I started. When I came back onto the team after the Ram brought me back and they gave me a roster spot, my first game was against the New Orleans Saints, and we were playing in the Dome down there. And uh, Russell Erksleben was their punter, and they had the ball first, and they were punting. My first play, I was on the punt block team, and I was a third guy in from the right side. And if I could have got there, I could have blocked it. But my responsibility was to pull the guy so the guy next to me can go through and block it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. Go in, the ball gets blocked, not by me, but by my friend Dwight Scales from Grambling State University. And uh, all of a sudden I look up and I see the ball coming down. And it's coming. And I realize it's coming to me. And I do this, and it hits my hands. And I froze. And I got shoved, pushed, knocked all the way down to the two-yard line, two yards from the end zone. If I had any consciousness of smarts, I would have took a step, and my first play in the NFL would have been a touchdown. <laughs> but I didn't. But... I use that as a storyline too, and I'll end, I'll, I'll end our little visit with this. And what I got from that is when you're in the mix, when you're in the flow, when you're in the driver's seat of that vehicle you're driving, and all of a sudden you become challenged, complete the drive. Yeah. Complete that. You're an athlete. You see it, don't be surprised, don't hesitate on opportunities. Don't be surprised by opportunities. Don't think little of yourself to freeze in a moment like that. That's when you need to perform. And I always like to share that story because, you know, it could have been disastrous. I could have froze and popped the ball and they could have fumbled. They would have got the ball back and continued their drive. But because I had the familiarity of catching a ball, at least holding on to yeah. it, but still getting shoved and pushed, it let me know I have another opportunity to complete that journey. And that's what I like to share with you. Nice. People. 
Well, thank you, Preston, for joining us today. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to Johnny Rivers and SportsX for allowing us to use the conference room to do this interview today. So thank you, guys. But thank you guys for watching, tuning in. Preston Denard, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Be blessed.